Welcome to the Betterism Podcast, a learning community seeking out life's unusual lessons from its unlikely places. I'm your host, Glenn Binger, author, teacher, and coach, and I'm here to help spark some collective growth. I hope you'll stick around and teach us a thing or two, but first, a few words from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Meadow Life. Meadow Life is a health and wellness brand. Um, they feature all kinds of health and wellness products. They focus mostly on supplements. They have everything from vitamin E, vitamin C, NADs, vitamin K. Personally, I'm a huge fan of their Shilajit tablets. I put some in my coffee every morning to help me think a little more clearly, process things smoothly, that sort of thing. Um, but again, they they kind of focus on all across all health and wellness products. Um, their goal is to be innovative and effective, trying to help people become less stressed, uh, more energized, and live happier lives. Um, I do also recommend checking out their podcast, Meadow Life Radio. The host and owner, Matt Blackburn, does a really great job in educating listeners and, and his audience about what supplements are right for them. Um, you can find them online at meadowlife.co. That's M-I-T-O-L-I-F e.co and if you use promo code betterism you can get 15% off all of their products and there's no restrictions there um, again that's meadowlife.co promo code betterism for 15% off please go check them out they do a really great job in educating and sharing the knowledge and i think that is a lost art this day and age meadowlife.co check them out all right. Hi, friends. Welcome to the Betterism Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. You know me by now. Um, today's guest, the mutual contact of a friend of ours, Anne Corriere, uh, is a author and the leader of the Body Joyful Revolution. Also a book, The Body Joyful. Um, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Glenn. I'm happy to be here and uh, just have a conversation and share you know, stories. That's what, that's what you do the best. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, that's kind of, you know, the purpose of the show. And again, I think with your work and the reason I really wanted to get you on the show so soon was because I think our, our goals kind of line up, even though the content is a little, uh, it's not, you know, the exact same style content, but the purpose of the content exists for the same reason. So I figured we would kind of just, let's start off with your your book and kind of branch off from there. Um, we can kind of talk a little bit about the drive, the purpose behind it. The name of the book is The Body Joyful. Um, and I know it's more than just a book. So I figured you'd do a little uh, self-pitch there to start off the episode. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, it was it was the just The Body Joyful for a while until we figured out that it needed a little bit of a subtitle and going back and forth with a lot of different things. And the one that resonated the most most with me, which is kind of a strong, it's a strong subtitle. Um, but the subtitle is my journey from self-loathing to self-acceptance. And it really plays out my story. Um, self-loathing is a really tough word for a lot of people to hear. Yeah. And it is, is something that uh, people don't want to step into. And yet, a lot of people are in that space and feel that way. But they won't admit it right? Mm -hmm. Or it's hard to admit or, well, I don't like myself, but, but I'm okay. You know, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Kind of attitude that we have 
because we don't want to make waves or whatnot. So this this story, The Body Joyful, is really a memoir slash uh, self-development because it is my journey through decades of eating disorder history and disordered eating and compulsive exercise and addiction and all kinds of lovely things <laughs> and finding my way out of that to a place of self-acceptance. And um, there was a little push to call it, you know, from self-loathing to self-love. And I'm like, well, you know, love is a pretty strong word for mm -hmm. self. And, you know, maybe that's the next book from self-acceptance to self-love, but there's a space there. There's a space between acceptance and love. And there's a space between loathing and, and not liking and from not liking to kind of neutrality and from neutrality to acceptance. So we can be anywhere along that continuum and, and where are we and what's working for us and what's not working for us. And that's kind of the journey that this book takes us on. The idea of the, the story itself, I mean, stories, you know, as well as I do, stories are what drive us. They're the things that teach us lessons and make us think about things in different light. Um, and, you know, the, the main thing that caught my eye was kind of like you said, the, the tagline, the, the, the subtext of the title from self-loathing to self-acceptance. I, I, I totally agree with what you said about having a little space between there, like you can't just jump from self-loathing to self-love with a snap mm. of a finger. I mean, even just the piece of self-acceptance takes a lot of work to get there. And then from there to self-love is a huge another step. Um, could you fill in listeners, I guess, where you are on your journey right now and where you started, how it came to fruition? And, you know, with whatever you're comfortable with, you know, you don't have to share too much um, personal information or, you know, give away and spoil the book at all or anything like that, <laughs> uh, whatever you're comfortable with. But um, I would like to know where you're at now and how it how you got there. Well, that's I mean, it's a great question, because usually we start at the beginning and go towards the end. And I think it's a it's a good perspective for me to think about where am I now and sit and pause for a second and say, hmm, where am I now? Well, I find joy much more than I used to. I have peace with food and eating and movement and myself. Um, do I love myself? Good question. Not sure. Some days, maybe. Some minutes, maybe. <laughs> um, <laughs> I definitely accept myself. I accept who I am. I accept my body as it is. Um, I accept where my journey has taken me. I really believe that my past has led me to my present into this purpose that I feel I'm kind of, I've been um, brought to through my past. Um, so there's, I, I use the word pockets a lot. So I have joy pockets, I have peace pockets, I have fun pockets, I have silly pockets, you know, um, I have sad pockets, I have growth pockets, I have all these little, you know, my life is full of all of that. And all of that I can handle now, due to the fact that I've have tools. I have tools and strategies to work with no matter what life hands us, like a pandemic or something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and I started, um, it really starts with being adopted. Um, my birth mother was 16 years old. This is all I know really, right? 16 years old in the 60s. And I know for sure that that could not have been easy. 
And so being adopted by a wonderful family in a, a middle-class white privileged home, um, there's, there's something to be said for that part of my journey, even though I don't necessarily remember it. Um, right. There's that, uh, I guess it's a, it's a, a thin line that kind of takes me through my life of uh, not quite fitting in or not quite being wanted or not quite belonging. Right. Um, so I grew up in, like I said, you know, um, in the North shore of Massachusetts and I had two wonderful parents. What has happened though within that is that we all grow up with different parents, different experiences, uh, different memories. We hear things differently, different school systems, different mm -hmm. friends, right? All of the, all of those things Absolutely. come into play, right? And uh, in our, in our journeys. And one of the, I, I, there's these three kind of events that I do detail in the book and I'll share a little bit about them here because I think they're, they were, they're relatable to people, right? And one is my brother's nickname, my brother and his friends who he's two years older than I am. Uh, he is adopted as well, and he has the uh, exact opposite body type and build and personality, right? And so I wanted to play, you know, football and do the things that he was doing. And he and his friends had this nickname for me, and it was Annie Fanny Farmer, you know, and they had this little taunt, Annie Fanny Farmer. And I remember when it first started, this um, kind of, it hit me as what's wrong with me? Not that it was meant to be. I mean, kids do that all the time. I have a completely different perspective of it now. But at the time, as I as I heard it and as I dwelled on it, all I heard was Fanny. And so all I could tag onto that at 10 years old was fat Fanny. And so this fat started to be a theme. I was a chubby baby. I was stocky, a bull in a china shop, like all those little words that we continue to hear as we're growing up, depending on who we are. And so that was kind of this one event that started me thinking this way. And then once that thought got stuck in my head, other things got attracted to it. You know, it's that story of, um, you know, if you're thinking about a red truck, or if you're thinking about, you know, I'm going to buy a red truck for my next vehicle, then all of a sudden your mind goes to looking for red trucks, right? So it's, right. I'm looking for proof that I'm fat. So I have proof there. That's kind of my, I feel like that's my proof. And then on top of that, within about a year of that particular, what my memory of that particular space and time is going to school for um, going school shopping for junior high, um, having to go to Sears, not fitting into the regular kids department and having to go to the back of the store to fit into different kind of clothes. You know, it's that old Husky, mm. you know, that's I just that the name Husky makes me um, cringe a little bit. Right. So it's the hus right. Husky section um, didn't fit into the normal clothes. And all you want to do when you go into to junior high is fit in. And, of course. Right. And belong. And I'm like, OK, I can't even wear the right clothes. Um, and in that same time frame, going to the doctor, we all had to go to the doctor for those annual visits before you, you know, switch schools. And so I was going into right. a different school and the doctor pulls my mom over and says, um, you better watch what she eats. So uh, she's you don't want her to gain any more weight right now. 
So all of a sudden, yeah, rules started to change at home. You know, my brother's thinner and could eat anything. And so there was a little bit of rule changing at home. And this just started me realizing I have to change. I'm not right. Something's wrong with me. Um, and basically I went on my first diet. It was right in 11 and 12, um, right in that space. And my first diet landed me in the hospital with anorexia nervosa. And oh my God. That's, where, that's where things started, right? That's kind of this, this is who I am. I'm not good enough. Uh, I, 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 my mom has, my mom passed away this past year during COVID and, um, it's, um, I bless her so much because it was her strength and her determination in the seventies to go, something's not right with my girl. She's not the same. Anne. I've got to find help. And, and she went on a mission. Um, and, and she did that because it wasn't anorexia wasn't known in the seventies. It was, it was before Karen Carpenter and a lot of the other pieces. And so she really, you know, I, I definitely credit her for saving my life at that point, but I did, I did get help. Um, and I, I got healthy enough to go back into school and to play soccer and to, you know, try to find other ways to make sure I'm enough to make sure I fit in to make sure I belong. And that's been the thread that's gone through my whole life is how do, how can I fit in? How can I belong? How can I make sure I'm accepted by others? And so that's where it all starts. Right. And that brings me through all kinds of different choices and decisions that I've made through my life to try to do that. And uh, that's kind of where the, where the book rolls through, you know, my twenties and my thirties and, uh, uh, relapses back into eating disorder behavior, compulsive exercise, uh, some alcohol stuff. You know, it's just it just weaves its way through my whole life. I right. went to I went to college for fitness because yeah, let's do that. Um, that's a good idea to continue this journey of well, if I'm at least if I'm in fitness, I have to be in shape. At least if I'm in fitness, um, I will be accepted there. So I will have to keep my body in a, in a, in a place that is accepted. Um, and I fully admit that I was part, I was a big part of, of diet culture and society's thin ideal and this whole space that the young girls are in today. Right. So that was, and that's kind of how my story lays out. And then it travels from there to a place where now I'm like, yeah, uh, do I want to take a walk? Maybe I don't know. So no, <laughs> right? There's a, um, and and it's much it's much easier and freer and peaceful. So my brain is not talking to me the way it used to. So 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 that's a piece I kind of wanted to dig in a little bit for. Um, a big piece of this is self awareness. That yeah. that's a tool in the toolkit that um, most 10, 11, 12 year olds don't really possess yet. They haven't really developed that skill. Um, <laughs> And it sounds like, um, from what from your from what, how you were describing your your journey just now, it sounds like you you kind of had like a grasp on self awareness before you kind of started making those choices before you started kind of uh, following that thread, so to speak. Uh, would you assess the same way? I mean, like where where does self awareness kind of come into into your journey to kind of help you correct 
some of these decisions. Not that they were wrong, but, you know, to kind of get the help that you knew you needed. Absolutely. When it was time for me to make the decisions for help, self-awareness, I always say self-awareness is the very first success we have. Yeah. Because that is, you know, once we're aware of something we're doing, that's when we can make a choice to either continue to do it or to make a change. And I think uh, for me, even self-awareness as a, I was aware that something was wrong and I was aware that I had to try to change myself. It just wasn't the right way of looking at it at that time. Right. Mm. Um, but I, but self-awareness, I, I, you're, you're right on. That's where we, where we grow. That's where we learn. Okay. Is this working for me? Right. Is the way I'm thinking about this, is this belief true? Do I want to hold on to this particular belief that I don't look right and that I have to weigh this in order to be accepted? Do I want to hold on to that? Or do I want to say, you know what? I don't think that really is something I want to hold on to and make that choice. When would you say that you kind of recognized your ability to, to make that choice? Cause I know like when you're in middle school, junior high, right. you start, you start kind of seeing how you fit into the crowds. Like you were describing, like you start becoming aware of like how you place yourself into that community, but you still don't yet possess the skill to like make good choices based on that information. <laughs> So I guess, I guess what I'm asking is like, when did you kind of start recognizing your ability to make that choice in that journey? Well, I think I held on to that, that journey and um, those choices. So I held on to the beliefs that this is who I was, um, the thoughts and the beliefs of this is my identity. This is who I am. Um, So I kind of, I, I relate the obsession maybe is a, is a good word for food and eating and body. I just transferred it to, to soccer at the time. That was the thing. And so I, I dove, you know, dove headfirst into that. I went to college and was playing soccer. And um, one fall, we got weighed. And I remember the coach looking me up and down and go, what'd you do all summer and eat? And from spinning me back into a cycle of not thin enough, not smart enough, not good enough not strong enough, not, you know, whatever. So the awareness is there. It's just the awareness on the wrong side of the tracks. Right. Right. (laughs) So, and that followed me, that followed me in fitness. It followed me in decisions with um, jobs. It followed me in decisions in the choices that I made for myself uh, in marriage, um, in divorce. And right. So it, it kind of played out all along the journey. And it wasn't until I hit, there's this, this tipping point of me stepping away from diet culture and saying, wait a minute, is this the way I want to live the rest of my life? And it wasn't until Mm. I, you know, it was after divorce. So I think about these three, I have uh, immersion in anorexia nervosa as a teen. I get kind of pulled back in as a relapse in college, binging, basically binging and over-exercising. And then when I went through a divorce, another full-blown kind of place where I was right back into compulsive eating and drinking, over-exercising, um, the, the whole thing. So it's very interesting that it takes, 
it just took me a long time. It just, it took yeah. me many times to, to realize, Hey, wait a minute. And I was, I was lying in a hospital bed and um, I, I've told this story a couple of times because I was going to have a surgery that would help me keep pounding on my legs. It would help me keep running. It would help me keep teaching aerobics and um, continuing to pound myself into the ground. And the mm -hmm. doctor came in in the afternoon, you know, it was at late, late in the day. It was the last surgery of the day. And he's like, I just want to let you know that if I get in there and, you know, your knee doesn't look good enough, I, I just won't, I'm not going to be able to do this surgery. And, and then he left and I, I knew the instant he left that he wasn't going to be able to do this. And all of a sudden my hopes for the future, my identity, everything that I have ever thought of was gone. And all of a sudden I, oh, oh my gosh, now what, now what am I going to do? And so everything laid out so that, yes, I came out of the surgery and he hadn't been able to do it. And I knew it before he even went in because I knew that. Why hadn't he told me that before? Why wasn't, why didn't I, why wasn't I aware that this wasn't going to work, right? Why was this even an option? Uh, but that was probably um, something that needed to happen for me because that was, that was the time when I said, wait a minute, I'm, t I, I'm done. I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired of uh, playing this game. I'm tired of trying to be what everybody else wants me to be. Um, be who everybody wants me to be, look like I'm supposed to look, quote unquote, whatever that is. Right. Um, and I, I kind of fell into, there's got to be a better way. What's the better way? And do I even want to step into that? Right. Do I want right. to take responsibility for everything, all the mess that I've created in my life? And all, and so it's just a really interesting kind of weaving of this story of decisions because of awareness of the thought that I wasn't right. It all kind of stems back on trying to be somebody else or trying to look, mostly look different so that I could fit in and, and be accepted by others and belong and fit in and all right. those kind of things, right? Yeah. So. Well, the, the mental aspect of, of this plays a large role. And, you know, when you bring up the topic, like, you know, body image, a lot of people immediately, like, only think about, like, the body. But a component of that is, is the mind as well, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's a, that's a mentality. And, and, of course, I would be lying, too, if I didn't include soul into that, right? Mind, body, Absolutely. spirit. I mean, all three of those pieces kind of connect to either amplify the suffering or, or to help you correct it, which is, you know, now in your journey writing the book, it sounds like you've kind of, you know, started to place those pieces into, into place, if that makes any sense. But what advice would you kind of offer somebody who's kind of stuck in the beginning of this cycle? I mean, yes, there's a lot more information available today, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people aren't suffering from the same, the same uh, quote unquote self-harm or self-loathing. Right. What advice were you, would you give to somebody who's kind of just starting to recognize that they have a similar problem? The one thing I would say is bravo for recognizing that you have a similar problem, right? Mm. The first thing is, is owning that. Hmm. Things aren't working. Something's not working here, right? And that, that in itself, do I want to? 
make a change because when we make a change, it's uncomfortable. Yeah. It's, it's easy to stay on the same, you know, I think about our, you know, our self-talk and our programs and our thoughts, all of the stuff that's in our brain. It's these, it's like a, a labyrinth, right? It's mm-hmm. been, it's been kind of, we do the same, we say the same things. We beat ourselves up the same ways with the same voices. And then they get connected with other voices and they get louder and louder and meaner and meaner. And that's just this almost automatic connection to when we when we do something that we don't we don't like or that if we disappoint somebody or something happens we just fall into this labyrinth of words and phrases and beating ourselves up and it's the moment that you go how is this working and is this working for me Right. Can right. is beating myself up really getting me anywhere? Um, and that's the moment where we where we can pause. And if we can step away and look at ourselves from the outside in and say, do I do I choose to continue to think those thoughts and continue to believe those things and behave that way? Just the notice of a, the fact that there's a choice becomes an opening for a, a, like a doorway to, yeah. hmm, do I, do I, and that's what, I think that's what the hardest piece is because the labyrinth is well-worn. The labyrinth is easy. The labyrinth is a, a, is a path that we can follow, but if we want to change, we got to step into the pine trees or over the rocks or, you know, through, I call it through the weeds and is that, and that's uncomfortable. Yeah, we don't know where it's going. And do I even want to step into that? I don't know. That doesn't sound so, so fun. Um, And yet, how is staying on the same path working? And so it's becoming kind of separated from all of these thoughts to say, hmm, can I start to change the way I'm, I'm thinking about all of this? And what does that look like? You know, the company's name is Shaping Perspectives, um, A Woman's Way to Joy, because it is about shifting the way that we see ourselves and how we see food and how we see others and how we see um, our bodies and exercise and how we talk to, like, it's all of that. It's like, how can we look at things differently? Right. I mean, that's the only way, it's the only way to grow, right? I mean, that's, it's one thing to kind of like be force fed and spoon fed the information. That's, you know, that's the way American schools generally operate, but it's a totally different thing. Once you realize that you have a huge piece or a huge role in that game, right? You get to choose whether or not you're going to absorb that information, whether or not you're going to use it. Um, and sure it might be stored in like subconscious or anything, but like you and I, you know, as well as I do is this, in order to make action, you actually have to take action, <laughs> right? <laughs> and that's, it sounds stupid because it sounds so obvious, but it's a lot harder than people think it is. and People realize it is. I mean, one of the common themes that come up on this podcast and the, the betterism in what you're saying right now is, is the ability to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation as a choice to, to kind of get yourself to grow, right? That's mm. not, it's so difficult to leave the comfort zone and, and get to that point. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're spot on. That's, that's what it is. It's stepping into, you know, it's being, becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable because if we want to 
make a shift. It isn't, we, we have never done it before. So it's, it's hard. You know, I think about um, from the background that I have, you know, if you, if you start to learn how to dribble a basketball or hula hoop or something like that, it's hard at first. Right. But the more that you do it, the easier it gets and the better you get at it. And so Mm -hmm. it's this, you know, if we want to create different pathways in our brain for the way that we speak to ourselves, uh, we have to step into the weeds and we have to step out of um, this worn pathway to try and experiment without judgment, something different and see if it works. Uh, And I think that that's kind of a, uh, for me, that was a good language, you know, let me just experiment with this and see if this makes a difference. And just the starting to shift the way I talk to myself, not in a, um, a positive necessarily light, but in a neutral light did make a really big change. So it's, it's, it's going from this negative self-talk to this kind of neutral. Yeah. My legs they, they help me walk. My legs help me get down on the floor and get up off the floor. My legs help me, right? These really simple ways to, to take our bodies um, in the way that we love our lives and see them differently. Right. And how can that bring us along a different, a different path and make different choices? So I have this, um, you know, I talk about, these voices in my head and I have this neighborhood and I've named them. I have my mini me and, you know, um, captain criticism and stupid Sally and all these people in my head. Right. But it helps, it helps separate, right. Who I, my thoughts from me. And in that, in that separation, I was able to see the thoughts differently um, from a distance and be able to question them and say, Hmm, is that something I want to, hang out with all the time yeah maybe maybe sometimes but not all the time so uh it's it's all of those kind of and then from there saying okay well let's if if that person's so strong if mini me's so strong she's been training a long time since i was probably five or six years old how do i build a build a and i've called this this kind of this alter person a maxi me right these mini me maxi me and now maxi mm, maxi me like is that. kind of yeah she's kind of this all right she's more compassionate she's stronger she's got different words and um she was very uncomfortable she was sitting on the couch doing nothing and she needed to learn some wording and she needed to learn what to say and how to say it and um stand up a little bit for basically for my survival and that was that was what her job ended up being I mean, it sounds a little silly with the, with naming your know, voices in your head, but, but it helped, it helped, it helped a lot for me to, to disengage myself from the voices in my head. So I am not right. my thoughts. These are my thoughts out here. And well, that's, I mean, that's something I want to highlight that words, words are incredibly powerful, especially words you're, you're saying to yourself. Um, and, and you know, everyone has their own system when it comes to managing that, um, you know, whether it's naming, you know, the characters that exist <laughs> or, or if it's like journaling, right? Like, I mean, some people don't, they won't do those things out loud in a meditative stance, but they'll, they'll journal. And when they wake up in the morning or go to bed, I mean, everyone has a different system when it comes to that. So how did you, how do you approach that? Do you, do you meditate? Um, do you have like a bedtime ritual, a morning time ritual? Is there something you do to kind of help you stay on track in that regard? 
Absolutely. And I think it's, um, it started the way I started with this is the, is what I called, I call for myself the morning 10. And number one, I wanted it to be easy. I wanted it to be simple. I wanted Mm -hmm. it to not be overwhelming so that I could overlook it. Right. So 10 minutes. And um, at first it was, I'm going to do 10 minutes of meditation or I'm going to do 10 minutes of journaling. So it started out kind of in this place of, I know all these tools work. And then realizing that, you know what, every morning I wake up and I'm in a different space. And so it, it became this morning 10 of mine. It was my time. I journaled. I might've sat on the deck with a cup of coffee. I might have meditated. Uh, I also might've colored, right? It's, it, was, mm-hmm. it was kind of, what do I feel the need to do to settle myself and ground myself right here and now? And when I have my coffee in the morning, no matter when that is, it is a, uh, um, it's my gratitude practice. So I hold my cup of coffee and, I, and it just allows me to connect with what I'm grateful for. So there are lots of ways to practice gratitude. We know so many benefits from being yes. grateful and by connecting it to that my cup of coffee in the morning, something that I already do, it allows me to kind of, it just happens now. It was, you know, a little uncomfortable at first, but it was, it was a practice for me to, when I have my cup of coffee, if it's first thing in the morning or if it's an hour later, it doesn't matter because as soon as I pour it, I realize this is my space to be grateful for whatever it might be that I, that I choose that day. But my, my morning 10 (laughs) came a little, you know, it's now probably, uh, I don't know, anywhere from a half hour to an hour, but it is my, it's my time. It's my self-care time in it differs, depends on how I wake up, where I am when I wake up, Um, you know, the phone is away and I just figure something out for me, whatever that might look like for the day. And it grounds me. Yeah. Yeah. You need, I mean, it's important that you have something, right? I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the thing. And I was just trying to get a little sense of like how you specifically manage that kind of thing. So where does, just to kind of paint a little timeline here for listeners, um, where does the 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 writing come in and and the building of the company i mean how how do those things kind of fit into into your timeline here it's really um that's a great question because it i've i've explained this kind of tipping point and during that time as i was recovering from the non-knee surgery i call it um i started to just do a little blog like a little personal journaling and i started to share it because I just, I don't know why I, maybe I was looking for, and this is probably the first time I've said this, but maybe I was looking for some um, affirmation or attention or something, but I tried Mm -hmm. to, I shared it and I did have quite a few people and they were all friends, you know, people I already knew come back and say, oh my gosh, that was, I, I so resonate with that. I get that. Oh, I felt that way too. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, hmm, that's really interesting. I had no idea that any of these people felt anything similar to what I felt. And all of a sudden you're, you're validated for your feelings. You're validated for um, some of your behaviors. You're not alone. And this, this feeling of not aloneness allows for um, maybe I do fit in. Maybe I'm okay the way I am. Maybe we're all broken, right? All of those kind of pieces started to fall into my lap. And from there, I, um, I decided that, you know, there's got to be a better way. And so I did, I went back to school, actually back to my alma mater to get an eating disorder um, 
graduate certification because they had it there and very full circle from being there as a fitness, you know, exercise person to now all of a sudden coming back and saying, wait a minute, that education served me, but not for the reason I wish it had, you know, so right. I'm, I'm shifting directions. And that's where I was introduced to intuitive eating and health at every size and this whole other world of research and a, and a opening of a, another door that says, well, it's no wonder you thought that way. It's no wonder that you did that because this is what happens. This is, these are researched um, physiological things that happen when we restrict or when we overexercise or when we get stressed or all of that. I started to just learn all of that. And that's when I dove into therapy for myself and writing. That was I, a lot of writing and journaling and journaling about my feelings and um, taking time to do some meditation and learning meditation and learning yoga and learning a softer way to treat myself. All of that just started to pull in together to change the way, change me. You know, when, when you change yourself, some of the people that are, have known you for a long time don't necessarily like that change. Yeah. So that became another whole piece of the story, right? Cause then, you know, friends are like, who are you? And, um, you know, my marriage kind of disintegrated and I had two girls. And so there's a lot of those kind of pieces that when you start to say, wait a minute, something's not right here. And I, I, cho I am choosing to be different. Um, it sometimes is really uncomfortable with the people around you too. And that, I just think that that's a, that's a piece of this that is important to know. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a piece too, that a lot of people struggle with because that's, <laughs> It's kind of something that if you're not if you're not familiar with that that shift in growth and change, if you're not familiar with how that works, it kind of catches you off guard. Mm -hmm. um, you know, all of a sudden, your your best friend of of twenty years no longer wants to talk to you. And, yes. Uh, you know, whatever whatever it is, whatever the relationship is. I mean, sometimes it's closer than that, right? I mean, sometimes right. it's like close loved ones that you don't really see you know, ever leaving your life. And then all of a sudden you're trying to do this thing for yourself that you feel is making you a better person, better human, um, feel better. And next thing you know, it's like the, the closest ones to you no longer answer your text messages or, or, or your phone calls, your emails or whatever. And mm -hmm. that can be very, very challenging to um, deal with. It's tough too, because you, you kind of know that like, uh, this is going to sound a little foo-foo, but like it, it's like the universe kind of working, working in your favor, trying to, trying to cut out people that are holding you back from what it is you're trying to manifest and what you're trying to do with your life. And that in itself is not easy to accept, even if you do recognize it, which is hard mm. in the first place. So I guess where I'm going with this, how, how did you overcome that challenge? And if somebody's in that situation right now, what advice or what, tips and tricks do you have to kind of help them get through that process? It's so, it is so hard and I, and no one tells you about it, right? Yeah, you right. just, you know, you're thinking you're improving yourself or you're feeling better. And all of a sudden, you know, your identity has shifted a little bit and you're thinking a different way and uh, to, to get face to face with people that don't like it or, just kind of who do you, and this is the quote, right? Who do you think you are? 
kind of yeah. the feeling. Um, I really, uh, I did some work with Kyle Cease um, around, you know, I just kind of followed him and stuff. He kind of was in my journey part of, I, I name a lot of different teachers in my, in my work and work for myself. And what he would talk about is, you know, feeling of lightness and feeling of heaviness. And so if I want to live my life in a little bit lighter feeling, we're never going to live in a, uh, 24 seven in light in a light feeling and you know, right. all of that. But if I want to live more in lightness and less in heaviness, who are the people that lift me up, that support me and that take me to the places where I want to go? And who are the people that might pull me back? And I think about, um, you know, holding on to the back of a, a sweater, you know, when you're trying to go forward, mm. um, they want to keep you, they want to keep you back because they, they don't want to lose you. They right. like, they like the way that you connected before. And, and it's very, very difficult to say, okay, well, if I really, there, there are per, things about this person that I really care about, how can I minimize my time with them and maybe be still a part of their life, but not like it used to be. And those are just, those are choices that are extremely difficult. And it's stepping, um, in the book, I use this term step backs. We take step backs in most chapters and stepping back and going, mm. what do, what I, like do I, yeah, what do, how can I widen, widen my scope, see this in lots of different ways and what do I want? And that's so not the way we've been taught to think about our lives. We've been yeah. taught to make sure everybody else is okay. And so then, then you get this whole selfish piece that kind of follows you. And so it, it's saying, well, wait a minute, I'm the one that's living my life. And if on this side of my life, there are things that are really working and I'm feeling like I'm contributing and I'm feeling good about where I'm going and what I'm doing and what I'm learning. Is it my choice to continue to be in that space or do I want to step back and be in the space that I was in before and not hurt these people or not make these choices? And then how does that feel? And that, um, the thought of staying put for me, it was too, too big of a price to pay to stay there. And I knew that that wasn't who I was and that I was trying too hard to be connected and a part of a, of a, I don't, I don't know what to really call it, but a personality that I really wasn't. Mm. It's like a, it's, almost like an identity that you were trying mm. to disassociate with. Yeah. Which is, is tough imposter? because. <laughs> right, right, right. And it's like, right. we all experience that, right? The, the right. imposter syndrome of like, is this really me? Mm. Um, and that's not, you know, no one but you can ever find the answer to that. Because if you go and live your whole life listening to other people, then you're not living your own life. And then vice versa, if you're living your whole life where you're only listening to yourself and your ego is kind of in control and you're, you're, not necessarily doing things that are going to better um, you, your loved ones, and those around you. Um, exactly. Mm. Ultimately, that's the goal. 
Right. So. It's, a, it's both sides of that. Right. Right. And we're, and we're in, and it's that fine line in between. I don't want to be back here and I don't want to be too far out in front of the parade. And how do I find my, <laughs> how do I find <laughs> my people, you know, right. and that, that you deserve to find your people and that they're, your people are out there. Yeah. Um, no matter where you are. Right. And the, the tools now too, it, it's much easier to locate and, and find and try to join communities like that, you know, cut <laughs> just, it was only a few decades ago where it was not like that. And it, there's a lot of, a lot of people right now, um, older people, like I, I say older people, but I mean like pre-internet era, right? Like mm. people who su- uh, suffered from severe trauma and, and have some form of PTSD because of things that kind of fall into that realm. Um, mm. And not necessarily, you know, like physical trauma, like, you know, being in, in a Marine and, and experiencing mm. like gunfire and then kind of, you know, um, being scared of fireworks. Like that's sure. That's one form of PTSD, but like, that's not the only kind that exists. Um, and sometimes it's even hard to like uh, identify what it is and what's causing that. I mean, that's, again, it comes back to that self-awareness piece of trying to look at yourself without using the lens that you normally use to analyze yourself. Right. Right. And seeing it's, I think there's a, um, a forgiveness of self and, to to um, take responsibility, and that and that's a tough word. If you if you've experienced uh, physical trauma, emotional trauma, any kind of trauma, that's not your fault. It's allowing yourself to to take responsibility and and own that it's not your fault. Right. And there's a tendency to just want to blame yourself because it's easiest. It's um, it ex- it it gives you a explanation of why it happened. And I think that when we're, especially when we're growing up or when we're in tough positions, our brain has to find and define it. Why is this happening? And so it defines it with an explanation. And as soon as we have an explanation, then they're like, then you can go, okay, well that, then I get it. So it's my fault. I did that. Or I provoked that or, um, it must've been my fault that I was not good enough or did that or was in that location or um, did something to provoke whatever happened in the trauma. Right. Or it's something outside of your control that presses in on you and you internalize it and that becomes disassociation. And there's your other, you know, that's your other line to PTSD and, how do we, how do we feel better? We try to not feel. How can I feel better? I try to not feel. So what, what will help me not feel? Well, I mean, that's where, that's where like, you know, people's vices come in, Mm. booze, drugs, um, gambling, whatever it is. I mean, it's, Mm. it's a way to kind of escape the, the notion of feeling because you're anticipating what the emotion is going to feel like and you don't want to experience it because it sucks and you're trying to mm. escape from that. But ultimately, I mean, you know, as well as I do that in the long run, that's doing more damage than good um, because you have to kind of face your demons in order to conquer them. You can't just kind of keep running from them it, no matter how challenging and uh, terrifying they may be. It's the only way to kind of grow is to like accept them uh, and accept yourself for who they made you 
and mm. then kind of grow from there. You know, change, change the things you can change about yourself once you kind of recognize it. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about that, that piece of, you know, um, I think it's Wayne Dyer, you know, when you change the way you look at things, the things you yes. look at change, right? That yeah. whole concept and running away and trying to get away from yourself and thinking that that's going to be the answer. And that's, I think, a theme that runs through, no pun intended, that runs through <laughs> a lot of people's life, right? They're just running to the next thing, running to the next thing. Maybe this will be the thing. Maybe this will be the thing. And maybe this will be the thing. And that's a lot about diet culture too, is maybe yeah. this diet will work. Maybe this diet will work. Maybe this diet will work. But it allows the brain to focus on something external and not step into the pain or the right. hurt or, um, you know, the, the, the trauma that does need to be felt and, and it does suck and that's hard and we don't want to do it. We, we want to run away. Um, but the only way to a different, you know, to the, to the other side, I guess, is, is through and, and managing your way and learning how to, how to be okay with disappointment, how to be okay with sadness, with depression, with trauma, with all of the things that, that happen. We can't run from them. This, no. this life is, is, is full of suffering in all different ways. The more we run from them, the more we get, the, the less we run from them, <laughs> really the less we get because That's true. we allow, we, it sucks. Yeah. For the time I have that, that phrase, embrace the suck. Right. <laughs> so sometimes, 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 and I'll use that out loud for myself. Yeah. This, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or with my clients. Yes. You're absolutely right. This is, this is very hard. Yeah. You're right. You know, the, the ownership of it is almost like a, it's a step in that direction. Kind of owning it. And it's a mm. big piece too, is, I mean, that's the, that's the, the spirit piece, right? You have the mind, body, mm. spirit complex. I mean, that, a big piece of that is once you get past that step, you kind of find where you're one step closer to, I should say, to that inner peace or that inner enlightenment, because you can, then you, then you know what you're aiming for. It kind of puts things into better focus for you. Um mm. And there's no way that like, you know, hearing some random guy on a podcast, like talk about it and use these words, that's not going to make it any easier, Mm. but (laughs) trying to highlight it and and trying to to help listeners out there recognize that like they have that power. I mean, that's, that's, that's the goal and that's not Mm. easy to kind of accomplish. So let me ask you, how do you, when you're working with your, your clients, do you have, do you have a process from that? And like, you, you kind of like do like an assessment and then some like uh, practice work and reflection. I mean, do you have like a system there or is because of the nature of how you help people, is it different for every, like totally different for every client or is there more of a routine than people realize? It's, it's, <laughs> it's totally different and it's the same. How's that for an answer? Because <laughs> um, everybody comes from a different place, right? And so yeah. we have we have to um, allow for where where people are. So I try to meet people where they are. And and what I have found with um, my own journey and with my work is that I I guess I resonate with 
pretty much where everybody is, no matter where they are, because it's, even though I might not have had the same experience, I've had the same feeling. And so I know what it feels like in specific places. And so we kind of start there. And then I definitely have this um, system that's in place because when we're working with people around body and food and eating, they think it's all about food. You know, that yeah, old right. adage that, you know, it's um, less food in and more movement out or whatever the, you know, phrase is that I don't remember anymore because I don't use it, <laughs> but it's, <laughs> it's more, it's, it's so much more complex. You know, our bodies are so much more complex and it, it is about stress and it is about taking care of ourselves and it is about talking to ourselves differently and looking at food completely different you know, trusting our bodies versus what somebody else says to do, trusting ourselves. And that's a whole process, you know, learning to sure. to start to trust our bodies and then allowing our bodies to, to trust us. It, it, it's a two-way street. And, um, and then just finding a different way to look at, at movement as well. And so it's, it's kind of these, I think about it in five, in five prongs, but it, it, it it addresses our self-acceptance in a in a way that's different than just eat this and do this exercise program. It's a much right. more, you know, comprehensive. Let's start with how do you how do you feel about yourself? And when um, I talk about this theory, I call it the good gift, bad gift theory, right? And and when we receive a really good gift from somebody, we love it. We wear it all the time or we put it out or we show it off or we tell people about it and we take really good care of it. When we get a gift that's not quite what we want or it's not really us, it goes in the back of the closet, it gets regifted, it goes to goodwill, it goes somewhere else. We don't take care of it. It kind of gets pushed aside. And I believe if we think about ourselves in that way, if we think about ourselves as a bad gift, if we think about ourselves as not good enough, almost unconsciously, we don't treat ourselves very well. And how do we start to flip the switch over to at least an okay gift <laughs> and mm -hmm. then eventually to a good gift. And that, that comes with a lot of this work because that's, it snowballs into how we treat ourselves um, with self-care and how we treat ourselves with food and eating and how we treat ourselves with movement and with the people we hang around. So it all kind of comes together once we start to step back and take a look at ourselves differently and how we see ourselves. You know, if, if my, my goal would be for everybody to, to be able to start to see themselves in a way that other people see them, you know, their friends or people that they, that, that love them, right? How can, right. how can they capture their true essence? Like you had said, the spirit and the soul, how can they realize that their body is just a vessel and that it's so much more than, than that. It's, it's all the other wonderful qualities and traits that we all bring to the table that's different that right. makes us makes us who we are and why people like us and why we like other people it has nothing to do with body size and yet that's where kind of all the eggs go in that basket right well especially things with 
like things with uh, social media, it, it tends to kind of like just lump us all into that. Cause that's all you're really, when you're on social media, that's really all you're seeing. You're not, you're not seeing the, the ugly moments, the personal moments, the beautiful moments, you're seeing the highlight reel that someone mm-hmm. kind of put together. And, you know, if I were to kind of add on to that, I don't want to step on your toes, so please don't mm-hmm. <laughs> take no, this no, no. way. But like, I would, I would even say like, don't eat, like do it in person. If you're going to ask those kinds of questions, have those kinds of conversations with your loved ones. Um, I mean, at most over the phone, like mm-hmm. avoid, avoid doing it as a DM on Instagram or, or whatever. Cause that's, mm-hmm. you, that's good. You're going to be f- feeding the same, that same filter bubble of, well, am I, am I really good enough? Or is this person just saying it? Cause they can text out a response and I can't really see their facial expressions when they're expressing it. You know what I mean? Like all mm. of that, that subtle, uh, like body language almost kind of helps with those things. You can tell whether or not someone's being honest. Mm. Um, um, and they can, they can talk about more things than you would just see yourself in the mirror, right? Like it's, it's so much deeper than that of, like you said, like what makes our vessel, our vessel, it's so much deeper than just the thing that you post online, you know, mm. as your profile picture. Right. 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 Yeah. And you have all the technology today to make, make anything look any way you want to make it look right. Mm-hmm. So you don't even know if it's true or not. And I, and I completely agree with you and 100% saying, wait a minute, what's, who, who am I? And why am I important to this world? And what is it that, about me? Um, and and opening opening yourself up for that conversation. I just don't think we ask that conversation at all. Yeah. What what do I what why do I do this exercise with people? You know, um, they write down on a, on a piece of paper. You know, why do you like um, these people? Write, write down all the qualities you like about them, you know, so that they write them all down. And then I ask them, why do certain people like you? And then they write them all down. And then they look at the piece of paper and they realize, I ask the question, does it have anything to do with the size of your body? Right. And of course not. It, ha- it has to do with all of the other pieces of who we are. Right. And, and um, social media just, it, it unfortunately feeds into, you know, this, wanting to be somebody else and thinking we're not good enough. We're not right because of how we look. And, and, and that's where, you know, it doesn't matter who I, I, I use this, you know, um, diet culture and society's ideal for men, women, um, whoever is not discriminatory. There's an image for everybody. Everybody is supposed to fit a specific you're supposed to look like this and you're supposed to look like this and you're supposed to look like that. And wait a minute, who said, yeah, right. You know, and that's, that's our choice. I don't, I don't agree with you. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And it's, it's difficult, difficult. It's difficult to (laughs) kind of get to that, um, that point in your life to kind of take a step back and see things that way. Um, Mm -hmm. Cause that's not, especially I feel for for the younger generation i mean they have a very difficult time doing this just because they were raised uh with social media as part of their life whereas Mm -hmm. uh those of us who are kind of you know around before that kind of at least developed those skills before we were kind of thrust into the algorithm so to speak 
Yeah, right? absolutely. It's, and I, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't. I mean to interrupt. I just think that. No, no, no. Please. One, one of the things that you're you're speaking on is that the way we can help our next generation is to model a different behavior. Right. Exactly. So if we can model something different, they see something different and, and that's how we learn is what we see and what Mm -hmm. we hear and who's around us. And if we can start modeling different things, hopefully that kind of helps that next generation get, I have two um, adult daughters. They're in their twenties and I, I see it. And that's why this is such a important mission for me to just say, wait, let's change the role models. Can we change the role models, please? Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Can we start looking at things differently and seeing things differently so that our next generation doesn't have to live the same kind of um, in this, in society's uh, box that they've put us in, you know, in all realms in a lot of different realms. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. All right, Anne, I think this would be a good spot to kind of start wrapping things up. You want to transition over to the quote unquote rapid fire questions? Sure. Sure. Give them to <laughs> so I call these rapid fire questions, but by no means do your answers have to be rapid. You can take as long as you want. I think that I, sh- I really need to call them something different. It's so misleading, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we'll kind of go from there. Um, okay. So the first okay. question is, and just, I know listeners kind of get this, but for your sake, I, this is kind of just a way for listeners to kind of get a little feel of who you are outside of the, the business, the books, you know, those kinds mm-hmm. of things, yep. more, yep. more personality. Yeah. Um, so however you would like to answer them, totally up to you. Okay. Uh, so the first question is, what are you currently reading right now? And would you recommend it? Reading can be taken lightly too. It can be, I've had people answer with like audio books or documentaries on Netflix or something. Basically, yep. what are you consuming right now to kind of help better yourself? Uh, I consume audiobooks. Um, I'm listening to Don't Drop the Mic by TJ mm. Jakes right now. And, um, and I listen almost on a weekly basis. I listen to Impact Theory because I love what they do there. So those are my um, feeding. I think we have to feed our minds with, with stuff that, that lights us up. Right. And we enjoy. And so, you know, I've gone through a process of what are the things that I like and what are the books that I like? I do like um, to listen to books on audio and I either take walks or in the the car driving. And Mm -hmm. um, so I have a, a, a array of library books in my, (laughs) in my audible (laughs) journey, which I, which I love. Yeah. That's good. I do listen to the, I do like listening to the audio books. I think it's, Especially as, uh, you know, I live in New Jersey and being in Massachusetts, I imagine you're similar with the commute and how frustrating it can be sometimes. But the, the audiobooks tend to center me a lot, you know, like yes. not freak out at the person flipping me off or something <laughs> that they did, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, and I live up in Maine. And so most, and, and since um, I do a lot of my work right from home, um, but I have, uh, my dad lives in you know, in New Hampshire. So anytime I take a trip, mm. um, you know, and I have some old friends in New Hampshire. So I, anytime I'm, I'm driving somewhere, I, I tend to put on a, an audio book and um, I just love learning from, from people and uh, their stories and their experiences. And I, there's just so many little gold nuggets in all of that. Likewise, that is the entire point of betterism and what I'm trying mm. to do with this is mm. to help share that yeah. Uh, yeah. small knowledge, you know, little steps. Mm. 
Yeah, little steps, yeah. <laughs> All right, so um, second question here. Uh, what is your favorite meal to prepare and cook? It could be for yourself, for friends and family. Um, it could be high-end, low-end. Don't feel any pressure here. I've had people on the show who are like chefs, and I've also had people who were kind of just like, oh, you know, I heat up some really good pizza in the oven. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so whatever is you, what do you like oh, to what's your favorite yeah. dish here? That's a really that's a great question. Um, let's see. I like to bake more than I like to cook. That's mm. a whole other little um that's a whole other story, right? Entire that different <laughs> skill set, right? <laughs> right. Um, so I do, you know, like I do like to make things for people. So there is a little bit of that, you know, if um if I'm doing something for my dad, uh, he has these favorite things called lemon loves. So I love to do that. Um, so I have, I have a lot of baking, you know, homemade chocolate chip cookies and there's a whole brownie story in my book. So, you know, there's a, there's a lot of little baking pieces that uh, I think those are my favorite things to, to cook and prepare. And it's not a meal, but that's, I, I love to do that for um, not only myself, because those are foods that I can taste and enjoy and not feel guilty and shame over. And yet I can also uh, share with other people. So I, I think that that would be on, you know, on birthdays and on special holidays, there are these things that I bake for people. It's kind of this ritual Christmas time, you know, um, there's certain things I make like, so I guess that's what I would say you know, around that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not a meal. <laughs> right. I just, you know, but then again, you know, who says you can't have chocolate for dinner? So. Yeah, right. Exactly. You can <laughs> right. eat pancakes for dinner. That's totally yeah, fine. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who bakes pancakes, but you know, it's the same, same premise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and it's a totally different skill set too, which I've always found, found so fascinating. It's literally the same tool <laughs> in mm. the oven, you know, but the yeah. way that you have to approach it is just so totally different. I am, yeah. I'm a terrible bake. My, my wife does not let me use the oven for that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. But, you know? Yeah. It's uh, it does. That's what I, if, if I'm cooking, that's kind of where I, where I, where I go, I go to that, you know, maybe there's some, some comfort in that too. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I was, um, I, you brought that up and I immediately like had one of those like nose memories of mm. like just smelling the kitchen when someone is baking, it's, I don't know. That's an experience, you know? Yeah, exactly. And and one of the things that I probably would like to do at some point is bake bread because I love the smell of bread. And so that might mm. be something that could be, you know, and I definitely will, I can create a meal around bread for sure. So yeah. <laughs> bread, bread. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. All right. Uh, so third final question. Don't feel like you have to go profound. You're more than welcome okay. to if you want, but um, what's one life lesson you want to share with our listeners today? Like the one takeaway, if anything from the episode, what would you like them to walk away with today? Uh, it's so interesting. I had one thing pop into my head and then I had an another thing pop into my head directly after that. Um, <laughs> and the first, I'm going to say the second thing, because I think it's really that your thoughts are not you. That, you're, love that. you are separate from your thoughts. And the first thing that popped into my head is that you have choice, but Beyond that is that it's the first is you make a choice because of a thought. So I'm like, no, it's really that thought. Your thoughts are not you. 
And there's, um, I think it's Anne Lamont that talks about like a thought that comes into one, <laughs> is a bird that comes into one ear and goes out the other ear. Yes. And, uh, right. As, a, as opposed to um, all the times that we think something and the bird comes in and then they create a nest and then they hang out in there and they have babies and then they have all these other thoughts. And <laughs> so, yeah. and then right. and we're spiraled into that and we believe that that's our reality versus, no, the bird could have flown out the other side and it's not it's, we can step away from that thought and, and try to see it from a different perspective. I think that's a beautiful notion. Um, yeah. And number one, uh, Anne Lamont's book too, Bird by Bird, what you're mm. referencing is uh, a lot of people use it and kind of it's, it's commonly believed to be just like a writing book. Right. But I, I think the lessons from that book, just like you brought up, um, extend well beyond that. Um, especially mm. when it comes to the way that our brains work and the way that we think um, resonates with me of, I think it's Lao Tzu, that Lao Tzu quote about waves. Uh, your thoughts are being the waves in the ocean. They come and they go tide comes mm. in tide comes out, but they're always, they're always different. Some form patterns, some wash up ashore and stick around some, you know, never make it. Um, it's interesting to kind of, once you, once you recognize that, and that's mm -hmm. how all of our brain works. Like once you kind of see things that way, you can kind of start, like you said, like making choices based around that. I don't right. need to listen to my brain telling me I'm too stupid or, you know, right. Right. <laughs> I Whatever can ignore it. Says. it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the tide analogy. I love the tide analogy for so many different things. You know, the tide can be, um, there are high tides in our life and there are low tides in our life. Right. Right. And right. the tide, the tide changes uh, the shorefront always. And yes. so everything is always changing. It's never the same. And one of the, you know, change happens, whether we want it to or not, it, it just does. And how do we, how do we roll with the tides with the changes? That's right. Is we continue to learn and we continue yep. to figure it out and experiment. <laughs> yep. so, you got to learn yeah. how to surf. Got to right. surf the waves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Oh, it's been great to talk to you. Thank you for uh, having yes. me and um, allowing Likewise. me to, yeah, to spend some time with you. So I appreciate it. Um, yeah. Where can, where can listeners find you online? Where can they check out your book, um, your, your business, the shifting perspectives, uh, if you have any social medias, where can they find you? Yeah, they can, uh, they can find me at shapingperspectives.com. And also uh, I have a community on Facebook, a private community and a, a public community. So there's Shaping Perspectives on Facebook. And the Body Joyful Revolution is a group that I started back in November. And it is all about women, regardless of size, shape and weight, coming together and feeling com comfortable and confident in their bodies so that we can be role models for our next generation. So that um, that's a free platform, tons of resources there. We got lots of stuff going on in that in that community. And Poirier 11 on Instagram, um, and, and Poirier on LinkedIn. So you can find me kind of in those places. And the book is on Amazon. It is now up for sale. It isn't due out until October 5th, um, sandwiched right between Weight Stigmatization Week and Love Your Body Week. So it's in a perfect position mm. um, for what the book talks about and says. And um, that is, it's just me kind of laying out my story. And then also that there's hope and healing with this kind of uh, unfortunate. Um, I don't want to say unfortunate cause it's all fortunate. So it's funny that that came out of my mouth. You know, it's all, my life has been very fortunate. Um, even with 
whatever's happened, right? We learn right. from all of our, our past struggles and challenges. And that's what helps us get, get us stronger and get us to the places where we want to go. So, yeah. yeah. Well, we, let's yeah. bring this full circle is the, the gratitude piece, right? Mm. I mean, you have to, as, as grateful as you are and you want to be for the good things, you also have to hold that gratitude as painful as it is for the bad things because Absolutely. they are ultimately what help push you in the right direction. Right, right. Instead of instead of things happening to you, they happen for you. And, and exactly. can, you, can you shift the thought there? And then all of a sudden things look different. So, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Great. And um, it has been terrific talking to you. I'm so glad we could connect. We'll have to um, we'll have to connect again soon offline, off radio. We'll, we'll yeah. talk. Absolutely. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you so much, Glenn. I appreciate it. Of course. Um, and thanks to all your listeners for listening. Me. Thank you. Same, same, same. Okay. Have a great day. <laughs> you too. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, that's it, friends. Thanks for tuning in. I hope to swing through again. If you'd like to reach out, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at medium.com slash betterism. Be better at whatever it is you're building. And remember, friends, stay learning.